Thank you for tuning in. Welcome to Guy Aitchison's Reinventing the Tattoo Community, where tattooers, apprentices, and collectors are encouraged to join live streams, live events, to share with each other, to inspire each other, and ultimately to create better art and tattoos together every day. You may be beaming in from YouTube or Facebook or listening to the podcast. Actually, I know you're listening to the podcast because I'm doing this special. But you could always find the latest event schedule. The app can be found in both of the app stores. Pick your poison, the Apple Store or the Google Play. Or you can just go straight to community.reinventingthetattoo.com. Now, the goal isn't to keep you addicted to your phone, but to be able to easily access inspiration, information, awesome conversations to put on in the background. This is great for front rooms, for tattoos, uh, if, if the clients need some good distractions. It's uh, it's fun. And um, often after listening to a bunch of these, they're asking you for sleeves and back pieces anyways. Um, you are currently listening to a Reinventing the Tattoo podcast. This is an interview that Guy Aitchison did with Tommy Lee for one of the virtual tattoo gatherings that happened in 2020. All of the on-demand replays can be found either in the podcast store as we upload them or in the library of our Reinventing Tattoo community. There are tons of different art and tattoo rabbit holes to go down. There are uh, painting seminars or workshops. There's drawing groups. It's amazing. This show, as well as the art jams, the drawing groups, the interviews, panels, webinars, seriously, we're beaming out three to seven times a week. These are all awesome shows, and they are all in the Reinventing the Tattoo Community Library. Professional development, both live and on demand, every Monday at 9 o'clock is the Reinventing the Tattoo subscribers exercise, where Guy Aitchison goes through a live drawing problem with all of the subscribers that want to join in on Mondays at 9 o'clock at night. The subscription is $300 a year. The, this uh, is a free community. Thank you to our sponsors. Really, the beating heart of reinventing is the, the paid subscribers, right? And every Monday they get together, they submit their homework, and Guy will critique them. They'll critique each other. Then Guy goes through an exercise. They beam in, and there's all sorts of special things that go on. It's pretty fun. They'll do uh, projects that build up over a couple of weeks and then have final projects. It's pretty amazing to watch the progress of people, and as you can imagine, you know, dedicated time with Guy every Monday. It's well worth the subscription price. We also have Andre Malcolm is doing a live webinar coming up. And if you check out courses.reinventingthetattoo.com, you'll see the listing of all of these. But you can catch Andre's live Koi webinar. He's going to be drawing a Koi sleeve uh, before your very eyes. And he'll be taking Q&A. And if you are drawing along with him, then you can get critiqued. Uh, the replay will also be available forever. We have replays uh, from BJ Bits, from Bob Tyrell. Check it out. It's also pretty awesome. Regular free weekly events. Thank you to our sponsors. And I'll list them off coming up. We have Reinventing Drawing Groups, where artists are encouraged to beam in and draw alongside of awesome people. At 1 o'clock every Sunday, we have Jason Leeser. And every Monday at 9 o'clock in the morning, this is all Eastern Standard Time, we have Jake Meeks from the Fireside Tattoo Network leading these groups. They're pretty awesome. And people beam in from all around the world both to draw and to listen in. The conversations are actually still pretty interesting. There's always something new in the world to talk about, it seems. Every Thursdays at 12 noon, we have the Tattoo Collecting Podcast with Fawn Baker and Jordan Rookus, where they interview amazing tattoo collectors. It's awesome. Every time they send over the pictures to show, they're they're out of control. So, well, speaking of, well, these are all awesome to listen to. The YouTube channel and the app have video versions of this. So if you hear us talking about awesome artwork or things, then you know that you could always go and watch the videos. If you missed the tent talk with Rob Shaw and special guest Penny Funk, then you absolutely need to go check out the video library and find it in the tent talks. Uh, every, uh, it's every other Sunday or every once a month. Uh, Rob Shaw will do a tent talk with uh, some sort of uh, history event, which is pretty amazing. He's a great collector of all sorts of vintage tattoo stuff, memorabilia, and um, I guess not, I don't know, tattoo flash and, and, and acetates, all that stuff. And um, yeah, so go check that out. Real world events that are coming up October 3rd to the 6th, 2021 is Paradise BYOB. We'll be webcasting a lot of these shows live from Jimmy Peak in Massachusetts. We can't have a lot of people out. We are still kind of coming through this pandemic, but you can beam in, and there will be some tickets for these seminars and, and live events available. That's October 3rd to the 6th, 
2021, Paradise BYOB. Um, November 12th to the 14th, we're heading over to the Brussels Tattoo Convention. Uh, Nick Baxter, Ivana, and I will be doing seminars. We'll be beaming into an art jam or a drink and draw. We'll be doing a subscriber-exclusive meetup and then a general reinventing the tattoo meetup because we want to catch up with all of our European friends. That's November 12th to the 14th, the Brussels Tattoo Convention. Get your pencils out for the 2022 calendar. July 8th to the 10th is a Rock River Tattoo Art Expo. There will be a full Reinventing Live track there, led by Guy Utterson. There's going to be a floor of, oh, I don't know the exact amount of artists, but it'll be probably about 100 artists all uh, tattooing and painting. Um, it's an amazing venue right there on the river near Chicago, so it's pretty easy to get to anywhere in the world. July 8th to the 10th, 2022. Hopefully we can get anywhere in the world in 2022. Uh, let's see, uh, other shows in July, I think it's the next weekend, we've got the Rubber City um, Tattoo Invitational, hosted by Tony Urbanic. Do a search for Rubber City Tattoo Invitational. And then the third week of October, the Paradise Tattoo Gathering returns. That's in 2022. Um, so if you could do searches for those, information will be up pretty soon, um, depending on when you are listening to this. Huh. Uh, last but not least, before we get to the show, our sponsors. Thank you very much to Raw Pigments, uh, an ink company that's tapping straight into the Raw Pigments source. The pigments are acrylic-free and vegan. If you're interested, check out rawpigments.co. Inkjetstencils.com allows you to print stencils from your tablet or mobile device um, or your computer. So you can save your time, hands, uh, or apprentices' hands by printing out stencils with Inkjet Stencils, inkjetstencils.com. Check it out. Uh, you could also go to their section in the Reinventing Community where they have two or three webinars explaining the process. Different artists, they have a printer that will print out large-scale tattoo stencils like backs and sleeves and stuff all in one shot. It's amazing. Inkjetstencils.com. Of course, we'd always like to thank tattooeducation.com and guyeacheson.com. Check it out. He uh, produces his own products, his books, his machines. It's pretty amazing. So, and he helps, or not helps, he makes this happen. And then lastly, Tattoo Now. It's technology for tattooers. And now that reinventing is kind of on these new platforms and humming along fine, uh, I'm able to focus on uh, websites and, and technology for tattooers more. So check it out, tattoonow.com. We have Affiliates, the Fireside Tattoo Network, YouTube podcast channel, the Apprenticeship Diaries podcast, uh, ecofriendlytattoosupplies.com has links to eco-friendly tattoo supplies. Um, and if you are interested in sponsoring the Reinventing the Tattoo community or hosting a Reinventing the Tattoo event at your convention or event or studio uh, or whatnot, then please email us directly, management at reinventingthetattoo.com. All right. Well, hey, Tommy. Psyched to Yo. have you here. Uh, I'm welcome. super excited uh, and honored. I first met Tommy Lee Wintner at uh, one of the Paradise events, and this must have been oh, 15, 17 years ago or something like that. And he was already doing some pretty interesting no, stuff. It I think it was, it was, it was uh, 2008, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that sounds about right. Um, but 2008 was the first one, yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was... Uh, uh, a, a while back, but yeah, you were already your your distinctive style was already. Oh, you know, sorry, was building. Yeah, to fact check that the first Paradise Gathering was two thousand eight. The first one guy that you attended was two thousand nine. Okay, then it well, was two thousand nine. So this is eleven years ago. Uh, yeah, and holy fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and since then you've really dug into the the European black and gray kind of dark. Uh, end of tattooing that scene and really made a, <clears throat> a unique place for yourself there. So I wanted to talk with you about the whole arc because this is something I think is really interesting to other artists, especially up and coming artists. Uh, you know, where you got your start, your influences, uh, your apprenticeship. I love hearing those stories. Uh, and, you know, there's always a little bit of a Wild West factor. I mean, still people in apprenticeships these days, uh, there's, there's often a little bit of that. And then uh, uh, about where you're, you're going next with your art. But uh, yeah, if you don't mind, I'd like to start with just the absolute basics. Uh, if you could just tell me how long you've been tattooing and if you could uh, let the people who are listening know where they can find you now on Instagram and other places on the web. Yeah. Um, I, the first time I tattooed was like 1992. 
that was just like trying it out and uh, continuously I'm tattooing since 1997 I think yeah um, yeah you can find my Instagram Tommy Lee Wentner easy as that and uh, yeah that, that's the basic thing uh, the, the, the story how I got to tattooing is uh, a very long and winded road well let's hear um, about it yeah so uh when i was young around like yeah when i was young <laughs> uh around 14 15 years old i was uh, very involved in the rockabilly scene and tattooing was always like a factor there and i started like doing designs for other people to get tattooed and later on it just said like hey dude why don't you tattoo by yourself and uh, yeah, then, then I, I said, yeah, wouldn't be a bad idea. Then I had a tattoo artist uh, in that scene, which like showed me a little bit. Then I started tattooing a few people. Then later on, I, I, I never had really an apprenticeship. In the, and I, I'm actually self-taught, but I, have, I had a lot of help along. Uh, uh, in the beginning, it was like Klaus Foreman. I was there for a while. And then later on, I actually working like, in his studio. Yeah, in Vienna back then, like in the nineties, for a while. But then I'm like, I was just, I was just like, not, I was like, I was all over the place. So I wanted to, you know, do that and that and too much. And I did it all by myself, more or less. And it helped from like influential tattoo artists, which saw that I have potential. So I'm not really traditionally uh, apprenticed, which well, was. You know, the- Excuse That's me? true about a lot of a lot of really you know good artists in this uh, in this uh, tattoo community. You know, we always encourage people to seek out an apprenticeship. It, it is important, actually. Yeah. It, it it often ends up being a much like you were saying, a more complicated road than that. Uh, but it's important that you did connect with established artists early in your career. I mean, Klaus, he's he's obviously someone who back then. Uh, was a, a very major figure in the Austrian yeah. tattoo world. And uh, yeah, I, I always really enjoyed seeing him at conventions, but I, I don't think he, he's been traveling to America much. Uh, I haven't been going to conventions much. Obviously, none of us are right now. But uh, yeah, I mean, you, you kind of went went straight to one of the, the more established people uh, yeah. and uh, learned what you could from him. So, I mean, that's that's important. You know, the the apprenticeship is important, but it's not always available. Like, yeah. I mean, I was, I was really lucky with that, you know? And uh, I always say like, okay, because when people ask me, they say like, yeah, you did the apprentice and all that, blah, blah, blah. I say, yeah, I didn't, but I was really, really lucky that I, I, I still found my way because an apprenticeship is more about learning the art of tattooing. It's about like learning respect, learning, responsibility, all that stuff. And that took me a while. And also you learn a lot of things wrong that you have to relearn later on. Yes. And that, that is one of the challenges of apprenticeships is there's no such thing as a perfect apprenticeship, right? Um, You know, I had a fairly traditional apprenticeship. I worked for two years uh, with this guy, Bob Oslin in Chicago. And, um, the first three months of that was really the only part of it that was an apprenticeship. After that, I was a workhorse. Um, but okay. Bob had problems, you know, he was, he was a great guy. Uh, and I'm glad to have learned from him, but you know, he, uh, he had a substance abuse problem and okay. uh, really he just wanted me functional as quickly as possible so that he could show up at the shop, collect money and disappear. Yeah. Um, also so, not that uncommon actually. That's right. Right. So his motivation for wanting to teach me might have been coming from that place, but nonetheless, he was motivated to get me functional as quickly as possible and held nothing back. And and I'm grateful for that. But uh, yeah, when, when you're learning it on your own, you can kind of, I mean, as long as you know how to talk to tattoo artists, you know what I mean? You can kind of get out there and, and uh, learn what, what you can. I know that, uh, there's a lot of prominent artists out there who that's what they did. They just went out there and they made connections, got tattooed by people they respect and, and, you know, really dug into the learning yeah. process. Yeah. It, it was really weird man. back then. And you remember like back then and like uh, early nineties and stuff and mid nineties, 
it was really hard for an outsider to get into that. Yes. There yes. were like really different rules, as you know. It was like, it was all about, okay, you have to break into that thing and you have to earn your respect. And then you might get some, a little help uh, if you're lucky. And I was just really lucky. I have always to say that I was just goddamn lucky. I had so much luck. You know, it was like kind of served on a golden platter, everything. And well, I was, but there was a huge problem because I, I, I started to take that as, yeah, that's how it is, you know. Mm. So I developed very early on when I didn't have a name, I got a real ego problem. Like a huge ego problem because I was thinking like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the shit, I'm the best. And like, no, but I wasn't. And there was like a period where I had, really had to turn that around because I saw if I continued doing that, I will end up with just enemies and no way that I can establish my art. So, but well, it worked out. <laughs> I, I think that a lot of artists go through that. I mean, I feel like I went through that a little bit too, because, you know, you probably have a, you, you probably had a similar experience as a teenager. I was very awkward and definitely anytime I tried to put on cool, I failed spectacularly. You know what I mean? It, very early on, yes. I had, it was weird. <laughs> yeah. And so then there you are doing some pretty good tattoos and people are, are telling you you're great. And you're coming straight from being this awkward, you know, nerdy, whatever. And uh, suddenly you've got this little rock star thing going on and yeah. you're in your early 20s. It's pretty hard to not let that go to your head, right? At that age, especially. Yeah, because you're young. I mean, when you think about it, the frontal cortex isn't like fully developed until you're 25. So this is true. This and, is true. And uh, I also think that, you know, when we're in our late adolescence like that, it's just utterly natural to to seek this sort of um, fame and dominance. And you know what I mean? It's, it's very, yeah, very much a, a primate yeah. reaction to, to being that age. And uh, the important Which is not all negative. It, that's the thing. It's like, it's not all negative. It's just very, you have to be very careful how, how to uh, use it, you know. And when you're so young, you mostly tend to, you know, get over your head. And then it's very important that you have people around you that, like, bring you down a little bit. Yes, yes. And actually, I did have, when I was early on in that uh, scene and, and getting all that, you know, support to my ego, I had a few artists, uh, and I'm very grateful for this because it felt weird at the time. But, you know, take me aside and say, hey, you know, the way you just talked in front of Ed Hardy, you sounded like a dick. You know? Yeah. Uh, and... And then I'd have to think about it to the point where I'd be fucking cringing. But it's so important to recognize those things and uh, to, uh, <laughs> you know, to feel a little bit appalled about it and, and to try to grow and, and find that humility. So, you know, if I could be my early 20s self again, uh, I'd still want to feel good about my accomplishments. Yes. But. Uh, I would try to develop a little earlier that reflex of yeah. At least, but on the other hand, try to sound humble, you know, like thank you, I really appreciate your compliments, you know, like uh, yeah, well, naturally, it's me, yeah, I'm fucking yeah. great. But the the thing is, what I just said is like it's always like if I could go back, yeah, you can speculate, you can talk about it now and stuff, but I think it's very important that everything you did in your life brought you to the point you're right now. So if you would change anything, you wouldn't be you right now. You're right. It's true. It's true. It's the butterfly. It, that, that's, the weird, that's always that's the weird thing, you know? So, so yeah. So, of course, that stage of, of your life was a big part of your, your development, too. And, and, I mean, by the time I met you, you were already a very humble, you know, pleasant person to talk to. You know what I mean? It was. Uh, yeah, I got uh, my ass kicked a few times before that, so I was okay, yeah. <laughs> That's actually part of your reputation, at least among artists I know, is, oh, Tommy Lee, he's such a fucking cool dude. Um, but, you know, this is this is something we have to sometimes learn a little bit. I almost literally got my ass kicked on the convention floor once for being a dick. Oh! You know? Yeah. yeah. Saturday afternoon, it would have been spectacular. So, <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> I had to learn really fast. 
you know yeah. one thing one thing that was really difficult is like when when my career took off like like crazy and it was like really in a short time where i got from being me to being world famous and it was like within a year or something that was really hard for me because i couldn't handle it at all i i it was overwhelming and I, I tried to be too nice as possible to everyone and it just overwhelmed me. Like, and then people told me, dude, you have to, you know, you have to put out a little bit of wall, like not, not being an arrogant asshole, but just, you know, you have to say, okay, man, you have to put a little, when you're on a show or, you know, in public, you have to learn to, to put a little bit of distance between people and you. Um, Still being approachable, but not too approachable because it will upset mostly fans, but also it will fuck with your psychology extremely. And that right. happened to me at the beginning. Delicate, it was so overwhelming. Delicate balance. Absolutely. It, it, it's it's yeah. really, really difficult. But I'm glad in, in, our, in the art industry, it's like we can be as the people we are. You know, we don't have this. I, I don't want to be a Hollywood actor. Right. It's like, <laughs> right, exactly. It's, 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 I mean, I, I know a few and they're private. They're so nice, but I also see their pain. They're like, I have all this, but I cannot really go out or I have to, to completely hide my real persona. And I'm like, boo, I couldn't do it. I just yeah. want to be me. And I always did that. I always said what I thought. So that's why I was always politically incorrect and I didn't give a shit. Which was good for me because right now I'm pretty much uh, untouchable when it comes to things like that. Because I established myself as a person that just does what he wants. Yeah. And, and no harm, no foul either. I mean, you're... Yes. I don't think you've established a reputation as being, you know, someone that, you know, steps on other people either, right? I, 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 I don't do that. I mean, I, in the, la the, last couple of, the last few years, I had a lot of problems, like private. I was like really down. And so I, I, I broke promises and stuff, but it was a phase. I apologized for that and I lived up to that. You know, I, I own it. And, but on the other hand, we are all, we're all just human beings. And um, as long as you own your mistakes, I think it will be fine, you know. Um, yeah, well, we, have, we have to be allowed to struggle sometimes. It's, uh, yeah, you know, and it's like, you know, I, it's always the funny thing is like, there's also there's so many rumors out there about me, you know, it's really, really funny. I mean, that like I do a few things, you know, I use my drugs sometimes, I drink sometimes, I like it, you know, and then come all these stories about like I'm like fucking drinking two bottles of whiskey a day and like just coke parties every day and like now nah, i take coke sometimes and i like to drink sometimes but you know but i love these stories i love like like how extreme these these rumors are often you know i have to laugh i'm not angry about it like a long time ago i was very angry i'm like no that's not true what the fuck who said that and now i'm like ah oh, cool you know people talk about me i don't care <laughs> yeah you know I've, I've definitely been through that too especially when i was younger and you know what you can't you can't get too mad at people because no. for example I was I dated a junkie poet you know what I mean and she was clean most of the time we were together but she had that uh, that stigma and I was tattooing yeah. some rock star types that were all like you know walking around with syringes in their headbands and stuff and so yeah. so of course there are heroin rumors you know how, how can I get mad at people for you know. Uh, and things like that. It's just, it's sometimes hard to avoid a certain amount of stigma, but the trick is to just stay consistent. You know, if people see 20, 30 years later, you're still kicking ass. Obviously you're not, you know, living in a self-destructive spiral. You know what I mean? Yeah. Also like if you, if you, if like, if it would be true that like I'm such an asshole and I'm like so irresponsible and I, I, I fuck people over all the time, it would be impossible to still have a name. It would be impossible to still have clients or contacts to people like you and other great artists. Yeah. Because that's, it, it doesn't work that way in this industry. It's all about respect. Yeah. And I have, and seen, people, I have seen people that were, were competent tattoo artists who had a place in the industry that have kind of gone down that path and screwed over a few uh, people and just disappeared. You never see them again. There is yeah. not a place for that. You know, yeah. 
I mean, you, you, you have, you have your leeway, you have it, but you know, when you reach that limit and you step a little bit over it, you get a chance, but if you don't step back, you're gone. Yeah. Yeah. At I, least I in the, in the top echelons of the two industries. So. Yeah. I mean, I think also like once you have a, a reputation, it's even more like that, you know, uh, yeah. because if you make any big mistake, uh, really screw somebody over and, and you're in this this position of power and responsibility it looks a lot worse than Absolutely. if if you're just you know uh any tattoo artist who uh who hasn't uh you know developed this reputation of you know telling the world hey i am somebody that you should respect and look up to you know because once once you uh, present yourself that way uh you have to live it yes you always you always should go you always should go down a path and you have a while to do that to feel comfortable with yourself and also that you know you will be able to live up to the expectations. Yes. And that's that's very very difficult to do but well one okay of the, most so important the, thing, the thing that for for us we we tattoo artists that ultimately unites all of it is the the tattooing itself and the art itself right? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, if, if we have, like, let's say, blown off a client or made them, you know, uh, inconvenience them or something, we can make up for it by saying, hey, man, let me give you a free session. I'm really sorry about that. And then you do a killer tattoo on them and it's all good. We always have the tattooing as that's that's the thing that kind of binds it all together and, and what gives us our reputation. And uh, so let's let's hear a little bit about yours. I wanted to start with the the first artistic influences where you were at when you were young that led you down the path to where you're at now uh for me it's like um you know i i had like also like this huge interview with uh chet Sauer where we were talking about uh like the dark art the dark influences dark art influences and it really started as a kid uh, i always i always was drawn to like the darker aspects of life and like the creepy stuff uh, and I don't know why it is like that, but most dark artists are like that from childhood on. And uh, I was always like, I always loved like from early on, like Giga and, 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 and horror movies and like kind of more dark music later on metal, of course. And uh, yeah, it, it's always the same story. And I know so many dark artists, it's always pretty much the same story. Like just maybe from a slightly different angle. And uh Dark art always was so important to me because I see it as such a positive thing. And that's what a lot of people, especially in the art industry, like in the like like especially in the in the in the gallery industry, which they don't understand yet what dark art actually means. That dark art is something very positive and uh, it just shows you the world in a way that it actually is but gives you a way to confront it and see it as it is and then you can deal with it and uh be happy you know because i'm i'm a real i love life i'm a happy person i love my fun my jokes my my you know my my, my girlfriend all that i like i like to be happy you know even i do this creepy shit yeah well and you know that's that's the the thing that i've found with with many artists who who do the darker stuff i mean chet being another example you know yeah uh, that it's it's not about wallowing in depression all day, you know. That uh, you're making the art so that you don't have to do that. Exactly, it's, it's therapy. It's therapy. It's kind of therapy. Yeah, no, yeah, we're looking at some of Chet's stuff right now. He's uh, yeah, he's one of my favorite artists. His uh, oh, I love Chet. And I love Chet. I met Chet when I met you at the Paradise Together. Okay, yeah, yeah. There was, and, there yeah, was also there, and like Chet and me, Chet and me, we clicked instantly. We didn't know each other. I knew him for a long while and I was a little bit starstruck. And then um, it just worked. It was like, okay, that we, we like two souls meeting and it's, it's just there, you know? And he's also like, I think he's one of the nicest people on this planet. Yes. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> he's never angry. He's never, he, everybody, everybody's cool. Every, never talk anything bad about anybody. It's just crazy. So yeah, let's let's give a shout out to his. He does a dark art podcast. Yeah, uh, dark art society podcast. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he's he's uh, really well connected. Knows a lot of people in the scene and uh, has done oh, some great yes. in depth interviews. 
Yeah. He's, yeah, he's the one he's, he's yeah. So back in the uh the the apprentice or non-apprenticeship days, whatever you want to call yeah. those, in the late 90s, uh you already had these influences and uh you were I'm assuming uh starting to formulate your style uh because i think that that just naturally happens you have stuff that you like and so you're going to steer yeah. people that way what was some of the early work that you did like hmm like my, my early stuff was pretty much still like like rockabilly influenced you know okay. and more like into a, a kind of a, a comic style kind of new school style, but already you ca- could see like some, like I made everything a little bit darker, a little Psycho bit more sarcastic. And yeah. then slowly it just changed. It's uh, it was so uh, such a slow transformation without me even knowing it. it. I just, I did something. It was not really what I wanted to do. But it was actually cool and I liked it, but it always like kind of tended to move in the dark direction. And at one point, then I just said, like, you know what, fuck it. I I think that is what I want to do. And I started like without compromise, I said, I'm going to do just that. End of story. I and I didn't even wait to like, oh, I make a lot of money with normal stuff. No, I said, like, no, I'm going to do that. That's it. I risk everything, I do that, I fight for that, and that's it. And yeah, that, that that was the the big jump. And of how, course, how long were you tattooing when you made that jump? Do you remember about what year? Um, I think it was. Let let let, let, me, let me think. Um, around four or five years, maybe. Okay. Yeah, there where the transition began. And, and uh, so, so did you yeah. did you actually go through a period where you uh, were doing a lot less tattooing when you stopped doing any other work? Or did you find that there was a enough of a demand that you were able to quickly make that switch? Uh, it was it was of course, it was like it, there was like a, a less work because uh, people still wanted what they knew from me. And so I had to establish the new clientele. And a few friends helped out. And so, but yeah, it was much less work, but I, I, I was like, no, nah, it's worth it. You know, I have to do it that way. See, for me, for me personally, it's like, you know, everybody has a personal story with that. And for me, it was, for me, it was the only way to do it. As, for me, it was all or nothing. And again, I was lucky that it worked. It took a while, but, and also like I had the influences in the industries, like yourself, Robert Hernandez, Paul Booth, all these people, Bob Terrell, which, which showed me that this is like something that people want. You know, you just have to find it and work hard for it. Because before that, I was like, eh, I just do whatever and people will come to me. And then what's the point? Ah, it's not that easy. You have to work hard for that. Yes. So, and, and that's what I did. And then, then I met more and more people and I met, I met my idols and that was crazy. Always. I met my idols. I met the people I uh, admired, which was weird. And they became friends. And this is the most fantastic thing that can happen. So like that, 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 that your, that your idols become your peers and friends. Um, yeah. The, the tattoo world is amazing that way. Yeah. And that's when it starts really to, to, when, when you, especially, I, I love what, what, what Paul, Paul Booth was doing is like this, this uh, getting rid of the ego with his collaborations in the beginning, you know, Get, getting yeah, rid of your, the... Leave your ego at the door, that's what he would say. Exactly. This is, this is wonderful. This is like, you know, when, especially when you do collaborative art, it's like you go into the art of the other person, the other person goes into your part of the art, so it becomes like this, this nice amalgamation of, 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 of fantastic art, you know, you kind of see it's something completely new, but you can see who worked on it, but it's like kind of this wonderful uh, uh, hybrid. And this is like what I really love when something like that happens. Yeah. yeah and uh, I, I think you're big into of, that as well, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, some of the best experiences that I've had as a tattoo artist have been the collaborative uh, things that I've had uh, the, you know, honor of being able to do, you know, is uh, these are all really amazing artists. And uh, I always think of myself as a student, you know. Um, That's the best way to think. It never yeah, is over. You never stop learning. 
every time you get a chance to collaborate with somebody, uh, you have a chance to uh, advance yourself a little bit and you're allowed to tattoo like them for that project or at least somewhat exactly. like them. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, you're going to end up coming to some place in the middle between your two styles that could only exist when you're working with that artist. And um, when you come out of it and you go back to your own tattooing and you try doing those things, it's still going to look like your work. You know, the things that you yeah. learn from working with the other artist, it doesn't look like you're carbon copying their work. It's still going to come out in your hand and look like your style, but it's going to have some extra new thing to it. Exactly. That, that's what I, that's what I saw with me. Is like always when I like when I was with Chet or when I was with Robert Hernandez or, or Paul and stuff. Uh, they were always you always could see I was just hanging out with them or talking with them about art. I did something with them. You could see you could see the influence in my work afterwards. And as you said, it was never like a ripoff. It was just like kind of a weird hybrid. And I wasn't even even really aware of that. I just saw it after, like people. Uh, People pointed out, like, yeah, it looks kind of like Chet Sari or like a little bit Paul Booth or a little bit like Robert's work, you know? I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right, you know? It just, you know, it, it kind of flows into your, into your um, uh, art without you even knowing it. Knowing it. Right. Well, it's it almost teaches, like you, it, it teaches you, a lot. If you, have a, if you have a long conversation with somebody who's got a strong speech mannerism you might even pick up a little bit of that for for a while you know we're we're very plastic that way Um, yeah i think that what happens is you might go through a period where you can see strong influences from certain artists but then the longer you live with that and just do your art the more it just becomes part of what you do and then your own style emerges from that you know and uh so when you uh take in influence from another artist it still is very strongly filtered into your own style yeah and what 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 i did lately lately like the last few years is like when i'm 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 going to paint or want to develop something new uh for myself i stop looking at other artists for a week like just you know reset my brain so i have not any influence that is uh very new Right, because by that point, you know, a week away from looking at other art, it's it's all gone through your own filters. Yes. And, uh, you know, and this is one thing that I always recommend is if somebody brings, oh, those eggs are awesome. Fuck. Uh, if somebody brings you a tattoo uh, that somebody else did and says, I want something like this. And let's just say it's a really cool piece. Yeah. And you want to make something that doesn't look too much like it so important that you don't look at it while you're drawing look at it all you want right up until then right look yeah, at it and then put it up. away yeah what do i like about this you know oh i love this cast shadow okay include a cast shadow i really like the very strong dark on light top and the light on dark bottom uh, the way that the shading works cool i'll make sure that i do that you memorize a few things about it that you're going to make sure you incorporate into your drawing and then you put it away yeah. and, you know, this is, this is a way to kind of force, force yourself into filtering it, you know, yes. so that it yeah. is your art. Uh, another I do want to, uh, sorry, can I uh, chat about some of the people in the chat room? There's a fair amount yeah, of yeah, people. Of course. So uh, Jane Adler says, uh, much respect. Jane's Jane. been around. Uh, Daniel Fisher uh, says, gives uh, the horns. Uh, Ryan Dan was one of the encyclopedia contributors. Uh, uh, Ryan Mistassis is back in the uh, one of the chat rooms, and then we've got uh, Rod Graybill and Melissa. Right on, hey Rod and Melissa. Hey guys. Oh, actually, we also have a quote here. So uh, Amo One says, "This is about what you were chatting about earlier." Reminds me of a quote of Klaus Kinski. I'm not going to pronounce the German because it would be horrible for me. Um, but she uh, was gracious enough to give a translation. Uh, level only looks like arrogance from below. She gives a little wink. And then uh, Charlie yeah. Smith says, uh, so awesome. Keep this coming. Okay. Yeah. The, the, the other thing that I wanted to say before I forgot, you know, we were talking about making that 
that transition into specializing. And I think this is an important thing for us to linger on at least a little bit because it, it's, wow. it's very important, very important for people to know which are, which are kind of don't know what to do. Right, right. Because, okay, you, you've already said that it, it led to a short lean period, but you know, you bounced back and, and became busy again. So yes, you can expect that. Uh, but here's something that you need to do. And I'm sure Tommy did something along these lines when he made that transition. Um, you need to take everything out of your portfolio that you don't want to do more of. Absolutely. You need to make it so that people can only see work from you. That is an example of the kind of stuff you want to do. That is just nuts. Just absolutely nuts. Um, yeah. He was, was awesome. amazing. Uh, he fell asleep while I was tattooing him. Right. Well, do you use back and he has like Philip. He has Philip's work on his head and stuff. Like he's an awesome dude. Nice. Oh, I know we were talking about something, but yeah, I just suddenly got distracted. Uh, you're talking <laughs> oh yeah, about, yeah. Uh, portfolio okay. pieces that you want to do. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because what your portfolio is. I mean, a lot of us. Let's just say you've done work in other styles that that is a real accomplishment. You know, that looks great. Part of you wants to show it off. But the thing is, is whatever you have in your portfolio, ultimately that is a catalog of stuff that you are willing to do. That's how the public is going to see it. Yes. They look at your portfolio, they're going to see, oh, he does, you know, color portraits. This is a really fucking badass color portrait. Okay, I'm going to get a color portrait from him, you know. But yeah. maybe at that point you've decided you don't want to do color portraits anymore. You're just proud of that piece. Well, unfortunately, you're going to have to stop showing it off. You have to still put it away. That's the thing. It's, you know, this is like the weird thing about the art you like yourself a lot. It's also um, when I'm painting, sometimes you have something and you have a painting and it looks really, really nice. But, you know, fuck, I need to have this huge contrast here and I have to get go all over that with pretty much nearly black. You have to do it. Yeah, you know, for example, like uh, uh, my, my, my prodigy, uh, he, he was like, uh, I was teaching him something and he did something really nice. And I was looking at him and I'm like, yeah, it has to be a little bit darker on that side, you know. And he did a little bit, but very careful. And I said, give me, give me the thing, you know. And I right, went so over really it nearly completely black, you know, just made a few adjustments. And it looked so much better. He's like, fuck, I have to learn that. I have to drill myself to do that, to let go sometimes of things you like to make it even better. Because when you render around, I'm like, eh, it, it just will not work in the end. Okay, so hey, Gabe, if you don't mind, scroll back up a little bit. And that piece on the far right, uh, yeah, that one. Uh, no, the, the bottom one. Below. That below it, yeah. Okay, so, okay, that's on paper. All right, well, Let's just say that this piece were on skin. You see that, that big area of dark down in the, the middle right. You know, detail is just kind of like fading into solid black. And so yeah. like what we were just talking about, when you're looking at a, especially a large piece that you're uh, maybe doing multiple visits on and mm -hmm. you've got some beautiful detail in an area, but you realize ultimately the piece is going to gain more by strengthening your shadows in certain places right uh draw focus yeah and you might end up having to lose some of that detail and uh that's okay or there might just be some very very light hint of it left after you're done shading over it and and it's healed but uh you know sometimes you have to let go of things like that when you're considering the big picture because you're trying yes. to create something that's got uh you know especially when you're talking about large work that's that's got strength to it so here this drawing, it's got tons of detail, but when you back off, it's still a very clear uh, rhythm of light and dark areas. And that's something and that's a weird thing with that one. I remember that one because this was just actually, this was like kind of a texture exercise on a page, okay. just fill a yeah. page. But I still did it. I still, I just want to do like texture for me, like to loosen up. But I still do that with like bring, bringing things into focus and fading out detail. It's just so... In my, it, it's like part of me how I do it. It's so automatic for me already to do that. 
Well, and also, you know, when you're doing these kinds of exercises and you're just challenging yourself uh, with, with drawings, uh, you want to try to apply all that stuff because uh, you want to build those muscles, right? Yeah. And, uh, the thing, like we talk about that, it's like we talk about it because we came to a point where we just do that. But we both remember the struggle in the beginning. It's like so hard to get into it, to really do it. It's a long way. And yes. I always tell people, you know, I can tell you that. I can tell you how to do that. But you have to keep on it. And one factor nobody can get around is years of experience. Yes. 10,000 hours. Can help, people can help you to kind of get a little bit faster to the point, but it still takes time. There's no way around. Zero. Well, okay, so you can shave off some years, but the only way you can do yeah. that is by having longer late nights drawing. You know, you, you still have to put in the hours. You can, yes. you can get your first 10,000 hours in in three or four years. You have to, yeah. It take 10 years, you know. It, dep it depends on how hard you want to push. And, yeah. you know, all the best artists that I've known have had, especially like when they were younger, periods of being extremely hungry, you know, and, and putting in those 16-hour days and, and just doing whatever it takes to, because they're totally wanting to immerse themselves and live and breathe tattooing and, and art and uh, they're feeling the progress. And so that can be addictive, you know, there, there comes a point where Uh, you want to be doing that. You don't want to be necessarily just like out of the bars every night. But uh, yeah, but it's also very dangerous because I saw a lot of people burning out that way. Yep. Yeah. You have to. You have to learn to take breaks. Yes, you can have periods of that. I think it's important to, yeah, like you were saying, take breaks, uh, just do fun stuff, travel, uh, hang around with other uh, artists. Yeah. Even if you would like to, even so many people's like, ah, I went there and I went to the beach and like I wanted to go home and draw. I'm like, no, force yourself to relax. You have to learn to relax, like do meditation, whatever it takes to just get away for a while. Don't think about tattooing. Don't think about painting or designing, whatever. You need that because we all just, we all have our limits. And when you reach the limit and you go over that limit, It can fuck you up so bad when you have a real bad burnout, you never touch a machine again. Yeah. Yeah, you, you don't ever want to reach that point. I mean, you can, you can have many burnouts and you need to recognize when those are happening. Yes. Uh, and back off a little bit. Uh, exactly. Like, like step on the brake. When you yeah. yeah. Well, it's kind of like, you know, when you're sitting in your chair working on somebody in your awkward position and your back is shouting at you and saying, hey, man, You have to sit differently or you're going to yeah. get punched. And you're like, no, I'm just going to tough it out. Uh, Bad idea. You when, you, when you get the warning <laughs> sign, you have to listen. If you want to have longevity in this career. Yeah, that, that's a real bad idea when you do that. Because I, that's what, funnily, like I have no problems with my back. The only thing I have is like, you know, like shortened sinus, short, shortened, shortened tendons on the front, of course. Like most of the two artists, because we always work like that. And a little bit like kind of my lower back muscles are a little bit weak, but I have no problems with my back whatsoever because I, I really try to, whenever I'm tattooing in between, just like stand up and stretch through for a while, you know, hold it 10 seconds, wait, continue and do regular breaks. Yeah. And good it's posture. Not yeah. Good it's not worth before. it because when you're like 50, 60 and you cannot really walk no more because you, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. You know what, the, the, way that it, the way it should be is when you're doing a long tattoo session, everything should get tired at once. There shouldn't be one thing that gets tired first. That means you have an ergonomic problem. Yes, yeah, yeah, good point. If you reach a point where like, okay, I'm starting to lose my focus and my eyes are blurry and my back is starting to get a little stiff and my, my hands are starting to, to, you know, give me the signs. You know, when you're hearing it all at once, that means your ergonomic situation is pretty, pretty much optimized. Yes. Right? But if there's one yeah. part of you that complains first, you need to fix that. If it's your back, you need a different chair. You need new posture. You need a different armrest. You need to sit your clients differently, maybe a different chair for them. If it's your eyes, you need different glasses, better lighting. Uh, if it's, uh, you know, your hands or wrists, you might need lighter machines, new grips. Uh, yeah. You might need to change some of your habits, stretch more, pick up the gallon jug with both hands instead of one, learn to do your computer mousing with your non-dominant hand. Uh, 
but yeah. you know, it's, 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 overall, really, it's really it's weird. Overall. It's like when you like now when you now we know all that, but you know when you, when you're young, you're like, oh, fuck it, I'm young. Yeah. Well, you it's know, always I the had, same. I had <laughs> and then they're like, crisis. oh no, my back, my wrist. I had a crisis with my hands maybe 20 years ago. You know what I mean? And I was like, oh shit, I've been tattooing for 12 years and I'm already having problems with my hands. Uh, this can't be good. This this tells me my future is bleak, right? I was I was sort of panicking. But you know, yeah, always, but it was the coil machines back then. Well, it was it was all all kinds of things, you know. And yeah. I've I've just tried to stay on top of the ergonomic advancements you know so coil machines got lighter you end up having aircraft aluminum machines which were aluminum but they weren't shit uh yeah. and then better grips the grips got improved and you had squishy grips uh and then finally you know the rotaries at first they just didn't put it in very well you know and it took me a long time to to do that but uh and finally all the way up to the the pen machines where the weight of the machine is actually centered around the needle which totally makes They're it perfect better. So I like I, I also work with the Soul Nova and uh, it's like this is my, my most favorite machine. Like it, it can just do anything. Yeah, you know what though? I've I've started doing a little bit of lining with a coil machine again. Uh, yeah. I, well, I actually I made it made a coil machine. A buddy of mine and I have made some coil machines and they're they're sweet and uh, lightweight. Oh. Uh, and I found I can do about two hours out of a six hour session with one, and it's it's not de uh, detrimental. Um, I don't know if I'm just doing it for fun right now or if it's going to actually get incorporated into my regular uh, habits, you know, but uh, I do miss lining with coils. Oh, yeah, there it is. Cool. That's the brass. Very nice. We've got an aluminum one also uh, that is, uh, you know, obviously that's, the aluminum one is a little bit more my speed. Uh, but, yeah, each time I make an ergonomic improvement, I really don't like stepping back. It's a lot, you know, a lot to ask yeah. my friends. But uh, I almost feel like it saves me a little time doing my lining with a coil. Um, but I still, you know, I, I still pull out the, the lining needle groups when I'm using the rotary for some of the detail rendering and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah, the thing is, like, I'm I'm mostly using. I mean, I'm doing lining too, like, uh, but I use like super. I have like I use three needles. I use a seven round shader, then mostly a nine round shader and a fifteen curved mag. That's it. Okay. For wow. everything. I don't know. Yes. It, it just in the beginning I had a lot of needles and then it just went down. Okay, for some things I just take another needle. Maybe you know. For like certain things, maybe you need sometimes a smaller needle or whatever. But uh, I just got used so used to this configuration, and I just can do everything with it. Yeah, but well, I'm always I'm, I'm always searching for new things to incorporate. It's good to get comfortable with something because uh, then you can discover what your method is, and you can become more efficient and work more economically. You know. Yeah. That's the thing, and then I'm also it's very it's very very important that you that you um, always try to experiment with new things, especially when you have like after you have the ten thousand hours in, you know, and you know what you do, you can start to experiment and really really find new things, try out new things because you can be certain that even if it doesn't work out that well, you can still fix it up on the spot on the go and that's the most fun part for me if i cannot if i cannot like uh uh like continue getting learning new stuff and 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 incorporating new stuff i think that will be the point where i stop tattooing yeah yeah i still love my job and you know you do have to put a little bit of of effort into staying on a on a path that feels like you're you're moving forward because I, mean, i think burnout yeah. sets in when you know it's it's a tough thing because we want to find stability and security right uh we find something that we know our clients are going to like they ask us for these same things over and over again and it's very easy to say oh i better not change it up too much because this is working and i do it well and people like it and they're paying for it yeah uh, so that could be a trap Because it, it, can be, it can be, it can be. The cool thing is, 
the cool thing is when you can like use your style and incorporate it also in uh, in other designs. So that's why I'm always trying to introduce a little bit new things because I really like anime and stuff. So I put out a little bit of that in my style and 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 like always like throw in a little bit things so that more people are interested in what I'm doing and also like I get other people which also want stuff that I actually like also, you know. So it's kind of, it is me, I do my thing, but I also like, there are a little bit more things you can have from me. But that was also very difficult to figure out in the beginning. Yeah. Because people, yeah. people just wanted to like, no, I want just that. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, because you have to go on a little bit, but slowly, slowly change that I can like do much more things now and much more different people are interested in what I'm doing. I also think that even if our clients are coming to us with a very specific idea and they might be referencing things things we've already done and say i love this piece that you did you know last year yeah and, and uh i really love something like that uh there's always room to nudge it forward a little bit and absolutely often, often the client will be excited about when you tell them yeah you know what i have a perfect idea you know because since i did that piece i learned this thing with shading i'd love to you know it kind of bring it up to date with with this this you know new twist on it and they'll be like oh yeah I want exactly your new stuff. yeah i love the idea of this old older piece but i want your new stuff uh if you if you put it to them in a way where you're excited about their idea and you've got a new thing that you want to try and, and bring into it uh, you know the important thing for the clients is they want to know that you're listening and that yes and we should a, a particular thing that they want out of that tattoo that you've heard them out and that they're going to get that. But if there's something new uh, that you're excited about doing that uh, uh, you want to incorporate into it, you can definitely sell them on the idea. If, uh, if you actually are excited about that idea, how could you not, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing that the, the one thing is what people don't understand sometimes because they, Oh, you have it so easy. You know, you can do whatever you want. Uh, yeah. We worked really, really hard and really, really long on that. And so now we have the freedom that people come to us and when we say like, yeah, we would like to, like, as you just said before, <clears throat> they come with an idea like, oh, I really like what you did there. And I'm like, okay, yeah, but maybe I would like to give it like a, a new spin and they trust you because they like what you do. Yeah. And I think we are really privileged that we can do that. Yeah. Like, you know, as long as daily privilege. As long as we can let them know that we're hearing them, you know. Absolutely, and, and I listen. I always listen. I, I still do. It's like because some people always. Have, like, this is also weird. Some people come to me and like, um, would it be okay if I give you some input? I'm like, yeah, please give me input. Give me everything you got. Just draw yeah. something by yourself. Just an idea, or send me some picture. You kind of to 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 uh, to describe your idea, um, and I will with my knowledge of what I'm doing, will build something out of that, of all these parts. I love to do that, you know? Well, I think that even the fact that they feel they have to ask that, that kind of tells us something, that, that there is a lot I of I know, ego. it's weird, yeah. There's a lot of ego out there, and, and uh, you know, people have learned to just expect it. And, um, yeah. and I, I, try to, I, I try to educate as much people as I can. Also, like right now when we're doing, like you and me, we have an interview, like a, a conversation going on, uh, that people hear that from people like us. That's, no, no, you talk to us. Talk to us and we will listen. Most people will. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, uh, I rely on my clients to bring me fresh ideas and you know, yes. preferably a yeah. curveball every now and then. I, I would like to, to be surprised by... Uh, here's the thing. They're going to see things that you could do in your style that you might not think of, right? Oh, totally oh makes things like that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Because we can't think of everything, even if it's obvious to them, you know? They might see, you know, somebody else's art, and they'll, they'll look at the subject and they'll say... Fucking A, man. Can you imagine if Tommy Lee did something like this, right? And uh, yeah, because they're seeing that fit. They know your work. They see the subject in it, and they get that lightning bolt, right? And they come to and you uh, as a client with that idea, and uh, and it's perfect. It's a perfect fit. 
Uh, I had it, I, I had it quite quite often actually, and it like it always blew my mind. I'm like, why didn't I think about that? But the point is, like, we stuck a little bit in the box. It's a huge box, but we still are in a box, kind of. And sometimes you need somebody from the outside to break in and like drop this little information in there and like, oh, you know, right. that's what's so fascinating. That's what's so exciting about this whole experience. It's a collaborative um, thing. It, it definitely is. And, and uh, the, the less you're letting your ego run the show, the easier it is to embrace and, and see the value of, of what the client's bringing. And I think that when artists are annoyed by clients that have input, uh, that, that could very well be an ego thing, you know? Uh, it is an ego thing. It is. It is. It, there's no talking around it. <laughs> it is. Right. Hey, speaking of uh, clients, should I uh, beam in some of the comments? There's a question or two. Yeah, please. Let's hear it. Okay. So let's see. We've got uh, a couple of uh, hellos first. We have Oscar says hello from Guadalajara, Mexico. Uh, hey, Christo Christopher uh, tagged Tim Kern. Uh, so hopefully uh, Tim might be watching at some point. Um, and then we've got Kyle says, hi, guys, watching from rainy South Africa. Always a pleasure to be here. Greetings to South Africa. And then uh, let's see. We've got, oh, maybe this is a... a, a Two questions. I'll just kind of read them all out and I can repeat if I need to. Uh, Amo1, who uh, beamed in with the, the question earlier, or says, or the, or the comment earlier, says, What does Tommy Lee think of his photography skills? Same level as painting? Question mark. Oh, I suck at photography. I totally suck. Uh, I'm, I never got really into it, so, which maybe I should, but. I have so many people around me which make amazing photos, so I just let them do that, you know, especially when it comes uh, to, like, ph photography in my art. And also I think it's like I'm doing tattooing, I'm doing creature design, I'm doing painting, and, like, I think taking up photography would be too much for me. I think yeah. it would be just too much. I think it's important to have, you know, enough competence with a camera to be able to record your work or to, to you know, create the reference material that we need. But uh, yeah, that, yeah, that, that's, that's okay. I mean, you can do that. But like when it comes really to making good photography, nah, uh, I can't do that. I, I just can't. That's why I'm, and I'm still like with my tattoos. I'm, I have like an old, an old like uh, Note 4 from Samsung still. And I tattoo my, uh, I, I make a photo of my tattoos with that and load it up directly. So you just see what you get and that's it. <laughs> nice. And then uh, uh, lastly, uh, Hunter Young uh, is in the chat room and says, uh, what's up, boys? He's uh, Hunter again. again. He, he's yeah. always here. He's always here. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, goodness. anything that you want to say to, to, you know, any final comments before we, we close this up? Yeah, well, here we are, and uh, you know, we're about to, to come to the end of 2020. You know, I think 2021 will be just as challenging in, in its own ways. Uh, yeah. I, I think that we probably still have some more shutdowns and things like that. Hopefully, it'll only be for part of the year. Uh, but, uh, yeah, meanwhile, here we are, you know, dealing with this winter. It's going to be a kind of a hard winter uh, for tattooers and, and – uh, I just think it's important that we reach out to each other. We can collaborate online. Uh, we can create online drawing groups and things like that. Uh, we're trying to facilitate that through uh, the Reinventing the Tattoo app. Uh, but there's lots of ways of doing that. You can do it through Flickr uh, as well. Uh, but, uh, you know, we can stay connected with each other. We can, uh, you know, still enjoy uh, the community aspects of, of tattooing. Fortunately, we have the technology to make that possible, even though it's not yes. the same being in person. It's better than nothing. It's what we've got for now, and let's make the most of it. Yeah, I agree completely with Guy. Um, there's not much to add, except, again, I just want, you know, people out there just support each other, you know, as much as you can, you know, so we can go through all that and, uh, yeah, stay safe and, and, and just, just, you know, be kind. Be considerate. Don't don't fight over bullshit. And uh, yeah, 
Life's and too everything short. God said. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Hey, Tommy Lee, thank you so much for joining us. It's been great talk. Um, it was oh one one thing we wanted to talk about still quick, okay, uh, about maybe like guy and me yeah. doing like a seminar thing. Yes, I, yeah, I, yes. I almost was gonna pop in, then I'm like, wait, I don't want to necessarily uh, pop. But yes, I think that it would be an amazing. Uh, I remember the the feedback from the Paradise uh, automatic drawing and automatic tattooing seminars. You know, was amazing and. Uh, it's like for years still I'll, I'll see people and that are amazing and they tell me, you know, they took your class way back in the day. And um, so, yeah, I just, uh, that would be a great thing to like idea seed out there. If people are interested, you guys chat about it. Yeah. yeah. We, we're going to, we're going to figure something out. Would be nice. We have the time right now. So. Yeah, probably in January, uh, December schedule is really full, uh, which is a beautiful thing. Uh, yeah, no, no, no hurry at all. Have more growing groups and things like that. But yeah, uh, in terms of actually doing a, a seminar, I'm uh, psyched to hear your ideas, uh, and uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people that would love to tune in and be part of it. Yeah, so we can bring our both things together. I think that would work really well. Yes, I think that'd be a fun collaboration to to work on a, a educational thing together. Uh, let's yeah. let's plan. Okay. On it. But we'll, we'll figure all that out, and uh, I think Gabe, Gabe will keep everybody updated. And thanks, Gabe, of course, uh, for bringing us together and also for doing all that so we can see each other all the time. You know, also like the drunk critique and stuff. It's like a nice hangout. And it's just, uh, it's kind of like a convention, but just a few thousand I, miles away, and you talk yeah. with each other. And thank no, you no so problems. much. I was going to say, uh, any time until you mention drunk critique, and that is a very particular time. <laughs> But um, <laughs> that, that time is uh, the second Tuesdays, and uh, we'll see. I, I have a little penance to make up for uh, nine hours. That was epic. Whew. That was crazy. Yeah, that, that, was, that was definitely crazy. Yes. <laughs> I was talking with Joe Capabianco yesterday. He, he brought me on live uh, on Instagram. Nice. And we were talking <laughs> about that, yeah. But anyway, well, uh, Guy, thank you so much also. You know? Thank you. It was really an honor. It was. It's really an honor because you were also one of my idols, and you're my friend now. But it's great. Uh, thank you so much. And thank you. It's it's terrific seeing you. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, no doubt cross paths again very soon. And uh, okay, absolutely. Thanks to everyone who's tuned in today and joined yes. us tonight when I talk with uh, Russ Abbott, 9 p.m. Eastern Time.